to be careful sometimes what you ask the choir to do for you because they might just do it. I told them this morning that they had to carry the show today. So I'm done. Thank you, choir. Thank you, David. Our gospel reading this morning comes from the gospel according to Matthew from the 17th chapter, verses 1 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Is anyone here familiar with the movies of Mel Brooks? One of Mel Brooks' favorite things to do is to spoof Hollywood, right? His movies are comedies, but they also have a little bit of bite at the way Hollywood tries to take itself too seriously. And one of the things I can appreciate about that is that he also gets us to think about how serious we take ourselves sometimes. In fact, I think that's the most important thing we as Christians need to consider. We might take ourselves... No, let me rephrase that. We definitely take ourselves way too seriously. We take the life of Christ and the life of God way too serious. Now, that's not to say that being a disciple of Jesus, that living as the people of God isn't a serious calling. It is. But it's the way that we try to take it too serious that becomes a problem. So I appreciate Mel Brooks calling us out sometimes on these things. I also appreciate Monty Python a lot. I'm not going to go into the life of Brian. I think that is a beautiful, beautiful response to how serious and how wrong we can sometimes take ourselves. But in Mel Brooks' movie, The History of the World, Part 1, which, Mel, I'm still waiting on Part 2, there's this beautiful scene about Moses going up on the mountain. And... It is both looking at his own Jewish faith, it is looking at our Christian faith, and it was a little bit of a poke at 
the movie The Ten Commandments. Moses comes down off the mountain and he is burdened by three huge tablets and he looks out to the people and he goes, Israel, here, here are your 15 crash. Here are your 10 commandments. And I think it's a perfect thing for us to think about, especially when we look at the stories today in Scripture of going to the mountaintop. Going to the mountaintop was about entering God's presence. It was about moments that changed the world, moments that changed the life of the people of God. Moses goes up for 40 days and 40 nights. And as Margaret reminded us, if he would have had a map, it probably would have been shorter. And oh, we know if he would have had a map, there wouldn't have been a 40-year trek in the desert. But that moment, that time. Remember, Christ spends 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness after his baptism. These 40 days and 40 nights are moments of long discernment for us, and that's part of why, starting on Wednesday, we winter into our time of 40 days and 40 nights, a time of transfiguration for ourselves and Lent to refocus ourselves into the life of Christ. Going to the mountaintop is about receiving God's glory. It's about seeing it and seeing it new and fresh. It's about changing our lives. I want you to think about this for a minute. And this is a serious question. I, I, um, I know last week I may have asked a few questions that it was questionable whether they were rhetorical or an actual question. Um, sometimes I want them to be both. Um, this one I actually want a real response. When Moses comes down from the mountaintop after 40 days and 40 nights, what has happened to him? What does he have to start doing? Being in the presence of God, Moses, what's the guy who's really famous for um, tanning? Um, not Ricardo Montalban. Um, um, yes. Moses is like that, only think of that ten times greater. He now is reflecting the glory of God. His face, his body, his skin has been transformed into something that no one else can look upon, so Moses has to start wearing a veil so that he can be in the presence of other people. Think about that. Moses' experience with God is so life-changing that his whole personage reflects something different. Think about what goes on in the moments when Moses is up on the mountain. He takes Joshua with him, but Joshua has to stay at the lower level, 
And God says to Moses, here's a crack. Go stand in it, and I will put my hand over it while I pass in front of it. And then once I have gone past, I will remove my hand, and you can see the backside of my glory. Think about that. Just looking at the backside of God's glory transformed Jesus, uh, Moses into this shining reflection. So it's not that crazy that when Jesus goes up on the mountain, that the disciples see his true glory when he is there in the full presence of God. The full presence of God in Jesus Christ is revealed. And it's something that they cannot look upon. The brilliance of God in Jesus Christ. There's also one thing that we could have added in another reading of Scripture to tell you the story of Elijah on the mountaintop. Guess how many days and nights Elijah goes on the mountaintop? 40 days and 40 nights, yeah. And Elijah goes to be in the presence of God, and in that moment, Elijah sitting in a cave looks for the presence of God and God's voice in the thunderstorm, in the whipping of the wind, in all these other things going around. And once again, I would like an answer on this question. Where is the voice of God? In the silence. The stopping of looking for something opened up Elijah to experience God. And there goes Jesus, taking his disciples with him so that they may witness what is going on. And I hope you heard in my reading, Peter is nervous when he sees the great fathers of the faith. And like most of us, when we get nervous seeing the people that we put high in places, starts to babble, all right? Peter's response is, oh, wow, I, um, uh, 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 I'll build houses, three of them. Now, to be fair, Peter, knowing his faith, probably said, Jesus led us up here, and we're going to be up here for 40 days and 40 nights. So it's a fair thing to say, I'll build us houses. But he's still overcome by the reality of seeing this moment to see Jesus Christ talking with Moses and Elijah on the mountaintop, realizing that in this one moment, here is God and these two pillars of faith at the mountaintop. And the glory of God comes down and the voice repeats the same thing of at the baptism. This is my son, my beloved, 
and God's pointing at all of us. Listen to him. Hmm? What an opportunity for us to go with the disciples in that moment. To go up and to see that glory. But there's a problem. Jesus' words as they come down the mountain. Tell no one. I mean, wait until after I'm dead, but tell no one until then. Now, I have two theories on this because as a pastor and longtime church member, I know the reality of if you want people to tell other people things, there's one way to do it. And it's not with a sermon because what you tell people in a sermon, they forget when they walk out the door and they don't tell anyone about it. So it's not the sermon. If you want people to tell other people about something, Bill, this is really important. It's really secret. I need you to tell no one. Don't even tell Beth, okay? (laughs) By the time you all walk out of this door after worship, everyone in this room is going to know it. Thank you for laughing at that, and if you didn't laugh at that and you're looking at me with laser eyes, just know that's why we have to stop taking ourselves so seriously. But the reality is sometimes the things we don't want people to know, we say, don't tell anyone it's a big secret. And what tends to happen? Suddenly other people find out. So maybe Jesus was actually telling them, go tell everyone, but he knew if he said, go tell everyone, they wouldn't do it. Human beings, we don't do what we're told. Don't stick that fork in that electrical outlet. Fork, outlet. Do stick that fork in that outlet. Everyone except for one of my children, oh, I better not do that. One of my children would be, oh, really? Okay, I'll show you. Not naming names. (laughs) But that's one of the realities that we have. That Christ calls us not to tell people about his glory until after his death and resurrection. So guess what, folks? No secret, Jesus has died, Jesus is resurrected, Jesus reigns in glory in heaven, so it's no longer a secret about God's glory. All right, listen, come in real quick, I'm going to tell you a secret. Jesus is the glory of the Lord personified, and Jesus' death and resurrection has given us grace and glory, and we are part of the kingdom of God. I don't want you to tell anybody. I expect 500 new people in worship next week. (laughs) Amen.